everything I saw, I loved and said, hey, this is awesome training and uh, this is what we need to be doing as a church. What you guys are doing is is very much needed, um, especially up here in this area for sure. Thanks for tuning in to the official podcast of Engage360 Ministries, where you can find encouragement to share your faith in everyday life. Everyone and welcome to Engage Your World. I'm on today with Jordan Apodaca, our content director, and uh, Sam McKean, who's a pastor at Cambridge Baptist Church in Maine. Sam participated in the training that we did at the end of May and beginning of June, and so we wanted to get him on for a few minutes here, talk about his experience, talk about what's going on up in Maine, and uh, whatever else he has to share. So, welcome Jordan and welcome Sam. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, same same here. It's good to be with you guys today. All right. Well, Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself, just your background and what you're doing now, what your focus is. Currently serving as uh, the pastor here at Cambridge Baptist Church. I've, I've uh, been here about seven and a half years. And um, so one of my passions for the church currently where we're at is to really um, focus on our mission as a church and to really recognize that everything we do as a congregation needs to be done um, in alignment with that mission. And um, so one of my big passions the last couple of years, and I'm trying to get the church to recognize this, is that we need to be doing what God's called us to do, and that's to make disciples. Very good. Now, are you from the main area originally, or did you move up there at some point? I was born and raised in Maine. Um, I moved away uh, after college for a few years and then uh, moved back here when God called me into full-time ministry. Uh, always knew that I um, wanted to be a part of a local church. Uh, you know, As a believer, I had a heart and a passion for the local church. And everywhere I went, I was always involved in ministry um, within the church. Uh, when God called me into full-time vocational ministry, I uh, I, I was a little bit surprised. I didn't really expect that call to happen, mm-hmm. but uh, once once it it happened, it, it was like, okay, so what am I going to do? And just my heart for the local church and having been raised in rural communities and small local churches, that was really where my burden was. And so, um, even though I grew up in Maine, I didn't even know where Cambridge was. Okay, <laughs> until I came here. Yeah, so Cambridge is only about 400 to 500 people in our community. So we're a small town. We're very, very rural. Yeah, definitely. If I remember right, you were about an hour outside of uh, the Orono-Bangor area that we met you in. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yep. Okay. So did some traveling to attend. Oh, yes. Yeah, but that's kind of a given considering where we live. (laughs) Sam, I just wanted to ask really quickly for reference, how big is your church and kind of how... How many churches are there in the community where you're at? Yeah, so in our town, um, we're the only church, but um, most of the towns around us have at least one church, um, at least the towns that are similar in size to us. So, um, and, you know, we're blessed, I would say, even though we're in Maine and a lot of people see Maine as a very um, unchurched area of the United States, um, you know, in our geographic area, we have some good, solid um, Bible believing churches that. Um, just really are faithful to teaching and preaching God's word. And uh, that's, that's a, an encouragement. Um, but yeah, it's, we have about 50 to 60 is usually our average Sunday morning attendance um, in our, you know, at our church on a regular Sunday morning. So that's about what our, our average attendance is. And um, most of our people um, are on the, on the uh, older end of the spectrum. Um, 
just demographically, that's what our community is comprised of. Um, as you will find that a lot of Maine is, um, especially in the northern and central areas of Maine, is is older folks. So um, we have a couple families and younger families as well. But uh, demographically, we definitely have uh, more of the older generation. I guess building on that, tell us a little bit more about the environment kind of more broadly. You mentioned that some people think of it as kind of anti-church. Does that hold true in, in sections of the state or is it pretty pretty varied by region? And what is the climate towards Christians overall and Christianity? Yeah, I mean, when I think about, you know, having grown up in this state, you know, I'm 30, 34 years old. So um, it's interesting to think about the last couple decades and the, the changes that I've seen just within our state. Um, people in Maine tend to be f- pretty friendly, um, but definitely there is a pretty obvious uh, – people are pretty blunt, I guess, when it comes to religious things as far as they just – they may be polite about it, but they don't really want to be involved in um, church or spiritual things. And they're not afraid to, you know, let you know that um, they're not mean about it, but it's just kind of the reality. There's just, um, I would say a disinterest. Um, so it seems to me when I think about the church um, state in Maine in general, and I don't feel qualified to probably even give this answer, right. but I would say, I would say that we do have pockets of, uh, things happening um, where churches are really seeing a lot of growth and God's really working. But because we are especially, um, you know, outside of uh, Portland and some of our Southern cities, we're pretty rural. Um, We find a lot of smaller congregations that are older um, and uh, more traditional. And, uh, and so we see that. Um, But again, to some of the cities, there are some exciting things happening and God's doing a work. Um, as uh, some of the younger folks, you know, the next generation and stuff are getting excited about spiritual things and God's working. But we definitely, you know, those statistics you see um, so often about New England does ring true. You know, there is definitely a um, spiritual, uh, I would say, uh, not to be cliche, but coldness up here in the north. Okay. Um, when it when it comes to um, seeing, recognizing not only the need for God, but even being open open to spiritual things maybe maybe between a hostility and an apathy something in between there yeah that would be a good way to put it you you meet you meet you meet people in both camps sam what what would you say is the kind of the state of evangelism in the area that you're in when you look at the other churches and i know you obviously don't know them all so this is just kind of your personal opinion but do you feel that evangelism is something being emphasized especially with it seems like there is a need for it based off what you're saying. Definitely there's a need for it. Uh, If I was to just, I mean, Maine is, even though we're geographically pretty good size compared to the other New England states, um, you know, we're only 1.2 million people. So the the community of churches is pretty small and that, um, you know, we at least know of each other and are pretty well connected or, you know, aware of what's going on. Um, Not that we know everything, but it's it's definitely um, a unique I feel a unique thing that statewide we have a pretty good tap on what's happening um, amongst the different churches and uh, evangelism is very much in need. Um, I think churches in general um, are not doing a good job with evangelism. Um, You know, there's some churches that still do the old, uh, you know, evangelistic meetings and stuff, but um, outside of that, um, 
there are a couple churches I know of, especially in some of the, you know, the more urban areas that are really doing well in reaching out to like the homeless population and really getting involved in their communities. And um, that's been an encouragement to see. see. And we've really seen um, some neat things happening through that. Um, But really outside of that, in general, I would say the church here in Maine is struggling to really go out and share their gospel and uh, to, to reach people. Meet the culture where it's at currently. Yeah. And it's definitely not an easy culture to reach. You know, I mean, we're not going to, not going to beat around the bush and pretend like, you know, it's it's an easy culture to meet, to reach. It's not, but as far as people actually doing it, um, I don't think it's happening. And, and I would contribute some of that to just honestly, as a pastor, I'll admit this, just poor training and equipping on, on our part. So maybe that ties in, Sam, you went through our two day training. Uh, We covered, you know, a lot of the initial uh, aspects of what Engage 360 training involves. And so what were some of your takeaways uh, from that and, and how it might apply to what you've been talking about? In the last, oh, probably a couple of years, I really, you know, we talk a lot about discipleship and throw that word around and say we need to be doing discipleship. But I really was just challenged personally about as a pastor, we say we need to be discipling, but what is that? What does that look like? <laughs> and obviously to be a disciple, part of being a disciple is to make other disciples, right? I mean, that's the, the great commission. And so, um, I wrestled with that and just started really realizing that as a church, um, I think we get caught up and we think, well, if I come to church on Sunday morning and I hear a message, that's discipleship. Right. And, and I think that, um, we can think that teaching, um, you know, if you were to ask my congregation, a lot of the churches in our area would say the same thing that teaching, good teaching, biblical teaching is of the utmost importance, which it is, but, discipleship also involves training. And so I've really um, just mentally been shifting in my thinking about how we do church and recognizing that we need to see ourselves really as a place where we train people to not only grow in their faith and to have the tools that they need to live the way God's called them to live, but also to have the tools they need to engage with their culture and to accomplish the mission that God has given us. And um, so that's been a shift. And so we've been making some steps in the way we actually just, you know, practically do things in our church, our services, the way we format things, the way we communicate about things. And it's definitely been a a challenge um, because it is a bit countercultural to what we've done. You know, this church is this church is almost 200 years old in a couple more years. It'll be 200 years old. So, um, you know, it's definitely countercultural to change up some of these things that we've done the same way for decades. What would be some of those chief takeaways that you think came out of that training that relate to that training mentality? I really appreciated the training in the way that, you know, you guys obviously put an emphasis on communicating the gospel clearly and making sure that it's not just, um, that that we have a good sense of how to do that. Um, I think I remember several years ago we were doing a vacation Bible school training. And I asked, I asked, I had about 20 to 30 volunteers sitting there, most of whom had been in church, you know, half their lives or more. And I, I asked just really not even expecting to have to address it. How many of you are comfortable sharing the gospel with a child at vacation Bible school? I think I had two hands go up and I said, I, I kind of said, what? Like, <laughs> really? 
but I, it just it, that was kind of like the first indication. Like, wait, there's a problem here. If if the people who've been in our church for decades don't aren't comfortable sharing the gospel, then where have I where have I messed up as a pastor? Um, you know what what about what do I need to do differently? And so your training and just you know making sure people realize, hey, you can share the gospel. It's not that hard to communicate what the gospel is. But then everybody you come across is going to be different. They have a different background. They have a different makeup. They have different life experiences. They have different opinions of God or of the church. And so when you think about how you communicate to people, you really need to understand where they're at and to ask questions. Don't just preach at them and don't just tell them this is what you need to do or, or you're going to hell or however, you know, like, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. You need to share with them um, who, what God has done in your life and really listen to where they're at and then present to them and even ask them some more questions to help them to think through um, maybe how their philosophy on life um, and where they're at may, may not be all that they think it is. And so I think that's and, and doing it in a non-threatening way uh, is a key, especially when we think about the world today and, and our culture here up, up here in Maine. You mentioned two really important things there that I just want to highlight for everybody to hear again, and they're connected. So I think this is important. You said that we should be meeting people where they're at, kind of on that common ground, just addressing the concerns and questions that they actually have. But to do that, what you need to connect it to the first thing you said, that we need to actually understand what the simple gospel message is. And to your credit, I have confidence that you were preaching biblical truth to those people, that they had an idea of the gospel. But the problem is that we almost need to tell them, all the things that it isn't. We need to say, it's not the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. It's not all this. It's the simple message that Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead, conquering death. And through faith and repentance, we can be forgiven. Like it's just that simple little bit. Mm -hmm. And we tend to just not do the work of extracting it from the rest of it. So I think that's really important because if you want to be able to meet people where they're at, you can't have this big whole system in your head that you're trying to bring into every single conversation to really be mobile with the gospel. It has to kind of be something light that you can carry with you. Yeah. A lot of what you shared there, Sam is really helpful. And, and I think connects with the core of what we're trying to do. I was actually trying to explain engage 360 to my in-laws a couple weeks ago. And I what I emphasize, and I've been telling a lot of people this, is that one of the things that we're trying to show people is in, in asking the questions like you were talking about and getting to understand who are they, what's their background, what's their experience. What I have found is that often what people are rejecting as Christianity isn't true biblical or gospel Christianity. What they're rejecting are a lot of the add-ons, which may or may not even be bad or or good. They you know, some of them are, 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 are not even things, I'm not saying all the things that they're rejecting are irrelevant, but what they're rejecting is not the core gospel message, but they're rejecting some of the trappings of Christianity, or often, even worse, a false version of Christianity that's not truly biblical. And so by we're, with the training that we're trying to do and trying to help people to, to learn to ask those questions first and find that context of who this person is and how do you deliver Christianity is, is finding out what are their ideas about Christianity. And, and often we can say, wow, you know, I'm with you. I, I would reject that as well. The, the good thing is that biblical Christianity or what the Bible actually teaches is this, and then go into talking about whatever it might be that kind of counters some of those bad ideas that they've gotten in their head 
or through their experience. Um, along those lines, what did you think of the way that we tried to use Acts and show what evangelism looked like in the New Testament to show that this isn't just some newfangled idea, that this is, we think, uh, a biblical approach to evangelism? That's key. I mean, you, and I'll, I'll even say this, and I th- obviously it's, I think it's, it's, there's truth to this, and that is, you know, we need to be willing to change our methods but the message stays the same. But we have to remember that God does actually give us some methods in his word on how to communicate. And uh, I mean, look at the example of Christ, for example, you know, Jesus shows us by his example, how he lives, how he taught, how he engaged with people. He gives us some methods that we can use practically, even in today's world. And uh, the same is true of, you know, what you guys did taking, um, you know, through acts, looking at, you know, how, you talk to people who culturally have a background and understanding of spiritual things, as um, as Peter does, um, talking to, to Jews, and then looking at Paul talking to you know philosophers, Gentile people who don't have that same understanding and backing, and and realizing that you know in the same way today, we you you're going to run across people with multiple backgrounds, multiple opinions, mm-hmm. multiple life experiences, and understanding the key ways to engage with those people. And to connect with them, not so that they push you away, but so that, you know, hopefully they leave the conversation thinking, I hope that that person really cares about me. Whether I agree with them or disagree with them, they care about me. And uh, what they had to say is making me think a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Sam, another question that I wanted to ask you was basically, I know a lot of pastors, they have an obligation to care for their congregation. They want to protect them from false teaching and all of that. So what was your thought process in kind of allowing Engage360 the privilege of educating you and some of your congregation in evangelism? Obviously, one of the things I do when I'm looking at, you know, partnering or going to training or having somebody in our in our church is, um, first of all, it helps if I know somebody that they know. And uh, in this situation, you guys had a guy on the ground, Travis Pelletier, that uh, we know and actually support. So that was a nice connection. Um, so he was obviously encouraging this training. The other thing is just looking into what you guys are doing, reading about um, you know what your heart is, going to your website, reading your um, just what you guys are about and what you're doing. And uh, everything I saw, I loved and said, hey, this is awesome training, and uh, this is what we need to be doing as a church. Um, you know, in some ways, I think it's kind of funny um, – to say this to you guys, but it's almost sad that we need ministries like what you're doing because the church is failing to do what God has called us to do. You know, if the church would actually do what God's called us to do, then uh, we wouldn't have to have ministries like yours because we'd be doing it. So I, but I think yours is vital because there's a great need. Um, what you guys are doing is, is very much needed, um, especially up here in this area, for sure, as churches need to get more serious about the Great Commission and reaching just reaching people every day, coworkers, friends, families mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. gospel. Yeah, all that ties in really well. And and we had a very similar mentality in that when we started Engage 360, we weren't looking to replace the church. We weren't trying to say, okay, now this is how you're going to do evangelism. You're going to do it with us. And then you kind of go do normal church stuff. Our goal all along, and, and, and you know, we have to prove that this is actually what's going to happen. But our heart, our, our strategy, and what we're aiming for is that we are a catalyst for movements within churches that will grow and spiral, and it will be within the church that that continues, and that what we can do is train a first wave of people in any given church or in an area, community, kind of like what we did up in, up in Central Maine, 
and that those individuals will then get equipped enough that maybe the, it, maybe it still requires using our curriculum, a lot of the materials we're developing, but that they can do it within the church on their own, and we can be long-distance support. We don't want it to be reliant on us week after week after week, and we're the traveling show, bring us back six months later, and bring us back a year later, and, and over and over and over. We want to be a catalyst, and then we want to provide fuel for those movements that get started, and that's that's our heart and that's our goal and everything we're doing is aimed towards that. So it was pretty exciting. You also mentioned the, the need up in New England. So we'll close with this. Uh, the training that you participated in was the first step in a process uh, leading up to a multi-day evangelism outreach event at the University of Maine in Orono. And that will be taking place September 10th through the 12th. That's a Tuesday through Thursday. And then we have Friday the 13th for a follow-up day. Uh, so we want to reach out to other individuals across the country, other churches to get behind this, um, other individuals who want to come and do it as a short-term mission trip. So what would it be any words of encouragement or request that you have for people, you know, where I am in the South, where Jordan is, maybe in California, but the broader church body to the need or benefit of a group of people coming up to do multi-day outreach and then really equipping or handing those off to the local church in, in central Maine to follow up and, and to make an impact and to start that. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge need up here. I mean, again, I don't have to tell you that you can see the statistics for yourself. Um, Maine is definitely needs the gospel and uh, college campuses, of course, are, are naturally spiritually, you know, dark places and um, I'm, I'm excited about what you guys are doing. I'm excited about September participating myself and bringing people from our church um, there. And I think it is a great opportunity for any pastor, any church who wants to, to come and participate to not only see um, firsthand um, the need, but also to, as I tell my people, we need to get out of our comfort zones. And um, it might be um, a little bit, uh, people might be a little bit hesitant, um, nervous, um, unsure of themselves, um, but I think uh, God will will help them with that if they'll take that step of faith and say, "Hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to participate, and I'm going to serve however however I can." And um, I think it's amazing, you know. I know in my own experience to see how God opens those doors if we just say, "Okay, God, I don't know what I'm doing here, but you do," and I'm just going to take a step and let you work this situation out, work this conversation out, and just just trust you. And uh, so I would really encourage people to um, see. I guess not limit limit themselves, but let God use them and work through them. Yeah, I, well, I'm really, really excited. I think it's going to be great. Uh, you know, it, even if people take the first step of coming and standing 15, 20 feet away from those of us that are more comfortable that have done this before and watching for a while, you know, we're going to have three days of 12 hours of outreach every day. So there's plenty of time for people to ease into it. And we, we should have a pretty good team that we're bringing up. Uh, uh, ideally, we're really shooting to bring at least 10 and possibly more uh, somewhere, maybe closer to 20 people up from our area that have training, have experience. And so we'll have a solid base there. And then I know that the church in the, the central main area has been pretty uh, interested. And so we should get a good group there locally. If anyone wants to find out more, wants to sign up to volunteer, wants to help sponsor um, some of the, the costs uh, of the event, you can do that by going to e360m.org forward slash Orono. That's O-R-O-N-O. 
Again, that's e360m.org forward slash Orono. And you can find out details. You can make a donation. You can fill out a volunteer application form. Uh, we'll have one for local uh, volunteers, and then we'll have one for people who are wanting to go on a short-term mission trip up there. But uh, I'm really excited. Can't wait to see what happens. Can't wait to see you again, Sam. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, we'd love to have you on again in the future, talk a little bit more about what uh, is happening on the ground there and maybe even some of the results of your intentional efforts to uh, disciple your people and get them out of their comfort zone and, and out in the community and uh, making an impact with the gospel. Hey, thank you for having me. You guys are doing a great work. And I'm excited to see what the future has for, uh, for your ministry. God bless. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you, guys.